I could not think of a better song to come up here and begin the sermon with. Someone had put on social media pictures of people who had been looking normal but had fallen into addiction with crack, drugs, and alcohol. And the picture showed what they used to look like. And as a result of the drugs and the alcoholism or the uh, crack cocaine, whatever it may be, what they look like now when they were unrecognizable from their original state. And I thought about that as people began to poke fun at them. And it opened my heart and made me realize something. We may have not have looked that way prior to our salvation, but our heart did. Just like the world and the drugs had made these people look one way from what they used to, let me tell you, that corrupt way that they looked, if we reverse the picture, that was everybody before they placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God changes people. And what I wanted to do this morning was share about the past few weeks. Of course, I was out last week. I went and visited my son for his birthday in Pennsylvania and uh, was able to listen to Justin's message as we were traveling home. And and some of the things that he reiterated, uh, I wanted to talk about again today and somewhat. But what I was looking at was the past few Wednesdays, I've been talking about faith and works. And if, you, if you're not busy on Wednesdays, you should come to our Bible study on Wednesdays. We have a question and answer time afterward. And some of the things that you may leave here and say, well, what did that mean? Well, come Wednesday and you'll find out. But my point is I was going through faith and then works. And like I was saying, works does not save you. But if you have faith, you will work. That's non-negotiable. And what I will address today is something that I think needs to be uh, uh, talked about in the church today. And, and, and I want you to hear what is being said because, again, many times I have shared that salvation in the gospel, instead of a life-transforming word that is preached and the Spirit comes into us when we are saved and we are transformed, has turned into a bunch of words which will encourage us and turn the gospel into six flags over Jesus. And it's a disease. And it's a damning disease. And what I want to speak to you about this morning is an emphasis and a letter that Paul wrote to the Galatian church. Now what I want to share with you before we read the text is the Galatian church, we don't know exactly when the letter was written by Paul, but what we do know is Paul was so angry when he wrote this letter uh, Galatians 6.11 tells us that he took the pen from his scribe and wrote in all capital letters to get their attention. It also says, if you ever read the readings of Paul, it will tell you that most of the time he, 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 he just talks about them and thanks them for all that he did. He did not do this in the book of Galatians. He said, I am so amazed that you have quickly deserted the gospel which I give to you, which is not a gospel at all. And he says, if I or an angel should preach something contrary to what we preach to you, may we be damned. 
You think that's serious? The Word of God is serious. And what happens in the, in the book of Galatians is in the church, they were newly converted Jews. That the law, there's no need to keep the law. It's been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. You have been saved by grace through faith. And doing these regulations are not going to save you. Okay? But what happened is there was a group of people called the Judaizers who would crept back in and said, okay, you can have Jesus, but you need, still need to keep the ordinances of the law or the requirements of the law. It's Jesus plus something. Let me assure you that it's Jesus plus nothing. But this church had, had, had begun to get that influence from outside to come in and creep in and start sharing things that are contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul will address them. And what he will do is address them in a tone that is very tough and harsh, but to bring them to the solid reality that anything that says Jesus plus something is heresy. And we need to understand that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 6, stand with me, or 5, stand with me as we read Galatians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. <clears throat> now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, Sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, and factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And let us not become boastful, challenging one another and envying one another. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today thanking you so much for your grace and mercy. And God, I pray today that, Lord, you would lead us, that you would open our hearts, that we would see your word and see it clearly, that, God, it is not what we do that makes us what we are. It is what we are that makes us do what we do. And God, I pray that if there be one here today that does not have a relationship with your son Jesus Christ, that you would convict their hearts before it's eternally too late. Lord, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And we don't know when we leave this world, but Lord, we can know how we leave it. And God, I pray that you touch the lives, you touch the hearts of this church, this community. Lord, you lead us, guide us, protect us. And all God's people said...
Amen. And you may be seated. If we could go back to the first part of this verse, I want you to see what he says. He says in verse 16, but. Anytime you see a word but, a contrast of points, we need to ask ourselves, why is it there? It's a simple principle that we try to learn in hermeneutics that who wrote it? Why was it written? Why is it right there? Why does it belong? What is he trying to say? And you ask yourself these questions. Because a lot of times, as I've said before, when we look at passages and we say we read them, we glance over them, look in full context of what he's trying to say. So when you see a but, it should make you think, what is this man trying to say? He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Now what are you saying? And the Judaizers had come in and tried to tell them they got to keep the law. Here's the problem with the law. The law is of the flesh. If you live trying to do a checkbox of things to make you righteous, you will fall short. Okay? And this is what he's saying. You don't walk by the law. It's been fulfilled. You couldn't do it. Christ did. It is by grace that you were saved. Okay? So going through and checking a box, well, I do this one well, I do this one well. Even us in our greatest day fall short. And what Paul's trying to say, keeping the law is not going to save you because it is things of the flesh. You see, the Pharisees had this idea that as long as they didn't do it externally, that it wasn't sinful. It's what they did uh, externally, if they got caught, if they manipulated the law a little bit, that everything was external. And Jesus reminded them very clearly that it's not necessarily what we see you do, but what's in the heart. Remember? Jesus says, I say a man should not commit adultery. But if you look onto a woman with lust, you have committed adultery, right? If you've murdered somebody in your heart, then you've committed the actual act of murder. Why? Because it's not what we do. It's what's in us that makes us do what we do, what we are. And what Paul is saying, you try to live by a set of rules, you fall short. You have been saved by grace. But here's the ticket, listen. Here's the ticket. Now hear me real good. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. If you are truly been saved by Jesus Christ, you will not desire to do such things. You don't look at it as a checkbox. You look at it as something that's gone and forgotten because sin will not dominate in your life. You see what I'm saying? Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. And I'm just going to be honest with you, okay, in this church. The Spirit of God is one of the most misunderstood items that we talk about, things that we talk about, persons of the Trinity. Oftentimes we say the Holy Spirit is an it. Let me tell you something. It is not an it. It is a he. There is one God. He is three persons, and each person is fully God. Listen to me. This is where we need to understand that there is not a level of the Trinity. There's not a God the Father, then Jesus, then the Holy Spirit. They're all fully God. Period. In the Spirit of God is He who convicts you of your sin. He who draws you unto salvation. He who enlightens you of the Word of God. He who guides you with the gifts that He has bestowed upon you. 
You see, when Jesus was disciples, let me, let me give you an example. When Jesus was example with the disciples in his humanity, fully God, fully man, now he walked around this earth and the disciples followed him. Okay, here we go. Now Jesus said, I must go. Jesus had to go. You see, this is the very beautiful thing that sometimes I don't think clicks. When Jesus said, I have to go, but I'll send a comforter to you, here's the deal. When Jesus ascended into earth, the disciples followed him everywhere he went. But since Jesus left and sent the Holy Spirit, Jesus was with them wherever they went. You see? He was with them wherever they went. The Holy Spirit, Christ had to leave. And if you are walking in the Spirit, you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Look, because here's what Paul is saying. If you have been saved by Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Turn with Ephesians for me just one minute. Let me give it to you in a very simple way. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has placed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy, blamely, holy and blameless before Him in love. He, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise and glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed upon the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us. He made known to the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention that, he, that was proposed in Him, with a view to administration suitable fullness at the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven, and things on the earth. In Him we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. To the end that we who are first in hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of the promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Let me sum it up to you in Greer Indian. God made us, Jesus saved us, and the Holy Spirit has sealed us. There is one God. He is three persons, and each person fully God. He says, but I say walk in the Spirit. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition of one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. You see, here's the deal. The fleshly self wants to compete with the spiritual self. Paul addresses this in 7, Romans chapter 7. But I want you to understand that greater is he who lives in you than he who lives in the world if you're born again. Because if you're saved, you won't want to do these things. You don't look, as a, look at them as a checklist. You look at God by His grace, His mercy. You have been saved and you want to live to continually conform to Him. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are? Look what he says. 
immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities of strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, carousing, and things like this, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to me. Those that live by the flesh will use the law to justify their behavior. Now listen to me. I'm not as bad as he. I'm not as bad as she. Because I don't murder, so I can check off that box, but it's okay for me to gossip and talk all kind of trash. You see, by the law of the flesh, we pick and choose what we call sin. But when we live by the Spirit, we understand that anything that is contrary to the Word of God, whether it be murder, whether it be gossip, whether it be omission, it is sin. We can't keep it. We can't hold it. It is only by God's grace that we are what we are. And we walk in the Spirit. We have been transformed because the Spirit of God comes and lives with us. He changes us. People say, well, brother, I, I've been saved for a long time and I feel no change. Are you sure you're saved? Look. There are lists that you will find in Revelation chapter 21, Galatians 5, and also in Ephesians. And if your name is on that list, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. See, that's the thing. If the Spirit lives with us, we have changed. Christ brings change. That immoral, corrupt heart has been changed to one that is righteous, not by your deeds, but by Christ's work on the cross. Big difference. But look what he says. They will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit. But, there's that word again. The fruit of the Spirit is contrasting to the dead fruit of the flesh. See, I want you to listen to two things here I want you to write down. Fruit of the Spirit is attitude and it's action. Attitude and it's action. You will hear the fruit of the Spirit listed about a hundred times in the Old Testament and seventy in the New. So it's making a point. If you have the fruit of the Spirit, which I'll get into these fruits of the Spirit, and I'm going to get into all of them today, we can't. I'll be going through them next week. But if you have fruit, I want you to think of something right here. You don't have to force an orange tree to produce oranges, do you? You shouldn't have to push a Christian to live righteous. Fruit trees bear fruit. And I want you to think about this for a few moments. Fruit will demonstrate the sure proof of one's genuine conversion. Well, you say, Chad, how can you say such a thing? Well, it's very clear because Matthew seven sixteen through 20 tells us you will know them by the fruits that they bear. You will know them. Now, here's what I want you to understand. You cannot produce fruits naturally. 
It is a supernatural act that you produce fruit. Because that goes to the heart of the matter. When you try to live in your own flesh, you will not measure up. It is only by God's grace and the indwelling of His Holy Spirit that you are able to do what you do. So look what he says. This is very important. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So how do we walk in the Spirit? I'm going to tell you. In complete obedience to His words and His work. There is none of us that will make it to the perfection of Jesus Christ. But if you are born again believer, your desire will be to grow closer to Him every single day. You will desire to grow close to Him. When you walk by the Spirit, back up just for a few moments, because I want to bring out this point. Back up to the first slide. Next slide. Okay, look. But the fruit of the Spirit is. You see that word is? I want you to take it and I want you to circle it. We're going through English grammar here for a few moments. I'm, I'm not an English teacher. Don't care to be. But I will tell you this. I know what is means. Is means continuation. It's a point of continuing. It is doing. Actively. Now. For the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, is patience. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, it's something that you continually do, not something that you have done and forgot about. Not something you want to do every now and again. It is something that you will continually grow to do. Why? Because the Spirit of Christ lives within you. You will not desire the things, as we were talking about, me and Jimmy were last week, you want to change. When you get saved, your want-tos change. Why? Because the Spirit lives in you. He convicts you of sin. He draws you into, into Him and, and gives you enlightenment of the way that you should live. And you learn this and walk in Him by not only praying to Him, but reading His Word. I watched an article yesterday, or watched an article that my wife had showed me yesterday about nowadays that people church hop. And what they have done, and listen to me, okay? that they go to different places trying to get something to benefit them. Okay? Whether it's a program, whether it's, you know, children's churches better, whether the music's awesome, or whether there's something that the coffee's better. You know, we didn't start putting, you know, you know, it's funny, whatever it may be. You know, some churches, I remember with some, this is, this is true, one time say, man, they give honey buns instead of donuts. But people go different places for different reasons. And the article was saying, here's the deal. That we have produced such biblically ignorant people. that now people don't even know what they believe. They don't know what they believe. 
And we've got crazy doctrines that come into the church and people can't defend them. People that say they've been saved for so many years and couldn't defend the gospel if their life depended on it. Couldn't name the twelve apostles, the nine fruits of the Spirit, if their life depended on it. But we're saved. Are we? Now here's the point I'm trying to make. Now I know y'all say, Chad, you're always coming down on this salvation. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. Like I said Wednesday night, please hear me. Because this ain't popular stuff that people like to hear. But I'd rather every person in this congregation be mad at me than for one of you to spend a minute in hell. Because that's on me. If I share something contrary to the Word of God. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Listen to me. If you are His, your attitude will reflect your action. We don't have to force a tree, a fruit tree, to produce its fruit. It comes and flows within. You see, I want us to understand that the fruits of the Spirit is very clear. And as we go into these, they're inward, they're outward, and they're upward. They're inward, they're outward, and they're upward. So let's look, if you have the fruit of the Spirit. First one is love. And I'm going to hit this one hard. There's a reason why Jesus did this, why Paul did this. You said, well, Paul wrote it, Jesus didn't. Well, Paul was inspired by the Lord God Almighty to write these words in their reflection of Christ. There you go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, there's three words you'll find in the Greek that's prominent for love. Eros, which is erotic or sensual love. Phileo, which is, I think y'all learned from this last week, which is brotherly love. And agape, which is godly love. The word here is agape. Godly love. Let me explain godly love to you. Agape. For God so loved the world. Agape. Romans tells us that while Christ, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So why are you comparing the two? Because it's an unconditional, sacrificial love. That's what it is. That a fruit of the Spirit is that you love people as Christ loved and loves you. Now that's hard. That's not natural. You hear me? Chad, how can I love that person that wronged me? How can I love that person that committed murder? How can I love that person that was addicted to drugs or hurt my wife or had a relationship with so-and-so? You can't in the flesh. That's Paul's point. It's got to be a supernatural love that is indwelled in you from the Holy Spirit. There's no other way to do it. And the evidence of Christ is that you do things that you wouldn't normally do, but you would do things that Christ has given you to do because of Him. There's a big difference. I thought about this love. You say, well, Chad, I can't love people like that. Well, then by what justification can we stand up and say we deserve to be loved by Christ? Watched a beautiful little thing of Alistair Begg talking about the thief on the cross. He gets to heaven and goes, how'd you get here? He said, because the man in the middle of the cross told me I could be here. That the same guy that was cussing Jesus hours before with his co-partner that was hanging on the cross 
said, Father, remember me, or Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Christ said to him, this day you shall be with me in paradise. The man on the cross was transformed. He was changed. Not by something that he did, but by the work of what Christ was doing on the cross. It gave him a new attitude, and it gave him a new action. Let me tell you something. Attitude always precedes action. If you have an attitude of love, then your action will show love. Because it all begins here. The fruits of the Spirit are attitude and action. And when I looked at this love, and I got stuck on this for a few minutes, then I thought about that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let's talk about this sacrificial love for a moment. It's something that you don't deserve. Well, I want justice, Chad. How many of us have cried out for justice? Habakkuk did it. Let me assure you that there's no, there's no person in here that wants God's justice. What do you mean, Chad? Because if God give us justice, we'd all go to hell. We got God's mercy. The justice was poured out upon his son because somebody had to pay the price for sin. And God's wrath was poured out upon his son. We are justified by Christ. And we are found not guilty because of Christ. Not of us. And I think about that love, that while we were yet sinners, listen to me, while we spat in the face of Jesus, he died for us. You ever thought about that? Oftentimes, I've used this example, and I've used it here before. I never will forget when the movie The Passion of the Christ came out. And I watched so many people that were watching this movie when he was being whipped. Again, this is Hollywood. But he was being whipped, and flesh is flying everywhere, and people are closing their eyes. And I wanted to say, won't you look at it? Because he did it for you. And you spat on him. That's what love is. That love that he showed us, we're to show others. Chad, it's hard. I understand it's hard, and I can't do it on my own. So I have to have the Spirit in me that leads me and guides me, and that I lean on walking in Him that helps me love. It's not natural. It's supernatural that only God can give. We have to understand that. Because I, apart from Christ, can do nothing. It's only by Him. So let me ask you this. Are you walking in Him? Pastor Stephen Cole said this, If God was to remove His Spirit from you, would you notice the difference? Would you notice the difference? I'll give you another one. If you was arrested and accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Coming here every Sunday morning is not enough. We are to walk in the Spirit daily. And see, love brings anguish. You see, Chad, I don't understand something. You talk about this love, this unconditional love. And then we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. It's easy, listen to me, please. It's easy to love those who love us back. It's easy to hang out with those who we want to hang out with. 
It's easy not to get caught up in controversies of Scripture. It's easy to do things that we want to do. But Christ's Word divides. People hated Jesus before they hated you. And you can't do it on your own. But through Christ and His Spirit indwelling in you, He will walk with you. He will sustain you. Cling to Him. You see, I got to thinking about a love of missions. I was talking to my son last night and talking about some things. And I want to tell you a story of love. Just to give an example that I hope you grasp this fruit of the Spirit. There's a man one time, he was 16 years old. And at 16 years old, he was kidnapped and carried to another country. And he was forced by the Druids to be a sheep herder. He was a sheep herder. He was a slave. After several years, he was able to escape from this slave owner and return home. But he was convicted by the Lord that he needed to go back. So this man returns to the country that he was kidnapped to to be a messenger for Jesus Christ. And at a time while he was there, there was a pagan holiday that said you couldn't light candles. So this man went up to the top of a hill and set a fire that everybody would see that Jesus Christ is the light. Many of you don't know how clue who I'm talking about. His name was St. Patrick. And we celebrate him on Friday with a beer and going, getting snookered with green rivers and everything and shamrocks and clover. And this man loved people so much, he was willing to die for them. Don't hear that story, do you? His name was St. Patrick. So next time, raise a glass to St. Patrick. Let me tell you something. That man turned Ireland upside down. He was from a rich family in England. But he returned to the people that kidnapped him. And there was a poem wrote about him. And out of that poem is a familiar hymn. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Isn't history great? The oldest hymn we have in this world today is in remembrance and related to a man who was willing to love the people who abused him so much to show them that there was something greater than him. And that was the love and the Spirit of Jesus Christ. When's the last time you loved somebody like that? Do you love people? I'm going to tell you another one. Unconditional love. Listen to me. This one gets me every time. I'm telling you the truth. I flipped so much in this passage, I broke the page. I'm telling you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. You hear that? I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I wish that I myself were accursed and separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, 
who are the Israelites, to whom belongs the adoptions of son and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises, who are the fathers and from whom the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all God blessed forever. Amen. That's Paul saying, you know what? If I can see my brothers to Jews saved, I'm willing to go to hell for them. Read it for yourself. Now that's an unconditional love, isn't it? That he's willing to do whatever it takes and sacrifice himself because he loves someone else. Again, that is not a natural that you can produce. Only a love that is produced by the Spirit that lives in you. It is supernatural. You will not achieve it. You will not be able to hang on to it. That's why we walk to the Spirit daily. You try to hang on to it in your flesh, you will not make it. Every single one of you need total dependence on the Holy Spirit in your life. Period. Well, let me tell you the closing story about love, and I hope this clicks. Love also means loving that neighbor whose dog continually gets in your yard and digs holes. It's that cop that gives you a ticket that you didn't like whether you're speeding or not. It's that person at work that continues to get on your nerves. Why do we think that we can change people? We can't. We do not have the power to resurrect a soul. Christ does. And if you love somebody so much, and if you walk with the fruit of the Spirit, how much would you have to hate them not to share the gospel with them? It's a supernatural love born out of a regenerated life in you through the Holy Spirit. In closing, I'm going to tell you another story about a man that moves me. You will find this in the book of Nehemiah. You see, Nehemiah was a very interesting man. He was not a preacher. He was a layman. But see, Nehemiah had heard that his hometown that he loved was destroyed. So what did he do? And I'm going to make a point with this. He prayed, he mourned, and he fasted. He prayed, he mourned, and he fasted because the love that was in him drove him to seek God's face continually. And what did God do? Not only did that pagan king allow this man Nehemiah to go back and build the wall, he paid for it. When's the last time we labored in prayer? When's the last time that we loved our children so much that are in this room right now that we anguished in prayer over them that they may grow up and be saved? When is the last time you anguished in prayer over that relative that you love so much that you want to see them come to a relationship with Jesus Christ? When is the last time you prayed for that neighbor that you absolutely despised? When is the last time you prayed for your boss? You prayed for your friends. You prayed for everyone that you know that spits in the face of Jesus. When? For goodness, gracious people, listen to me. We live in a world where people are turning sick 
and indwelling in their sin so much that it is manifesting itself at a rate that we have not seen in any likes in the world. Just like I shared earlier, those pictures that people are making fun of the changes for those who are on drugs. When's the last time you prayed for one? That man that dresses like a lady, when have you prayed for him? And vice versa. Let me tell you something. All of us, prior to Christ, are filthy rags. But if we're walking in Christ, our desire is to see others walk in Christ. And we will love them through that supernatural love that is given to us through God's Spirit. There cannot be any other way. We live in a world so much now. Look, like I told everybody in the catechism class, I don't want to offend nobody. I don't have to. God's Word does enough. And I don't stand up here thinking I'm an IV kind of guy trying to make everybody mad. That is not my desire. I have to go home and hear it. Then the Holy Spirit gets upon me. I don't preach at people. But I will tell you this, and I mean it. Please hear me. That as long as I pastor wherever God puts me, I want to be faithful and stand on the rock of His Word that if people get mad and I see them in heaven, maybe they'll say thank you for telling the truth. Guys, I know I've only got to love. We'll get to joy. Everybody be happy on that one. Won't Listen. I know apart from Christ... I know apart from Christ, there's people that I can't love, sacrificially love. I'll be honest with you, there's people I can't forgive on my own. Come on. You know, if we were quite honest, there's people we wouldn't get out of the electric chair to forgive. Let's be honest. You don't know what they did to me. And I've been that way Then I remember... Well, if you only knew what I did to Christ. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, who your daddy is, what country you come from, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you've been addicted to crack, pornography, whether you've been addicted to adultery, whether you're a thief, whether you're a liar, whether you're a gossip, whatever you may be, Christ can save you. And if He saves you, He will transform you. And when you have been transformed and the Spirit lives in you, walk in Him. Because the flesh that you have and the Spirit that lives within you are like this. But I'll tell you this, since I've been saved, I can't explain all the things of the Holy Spirit, but I can tell you what, I've experienced it. And I know this, he who showed me mercy at 659 Jordan Road 23 years ago will show you mercy too if you cry out for it. And he will give in you a new nature. And you can be transformed. Do our fruits show everybody that we love Christ? Does it show? Are we living in the flesh or are we living contrary to it? Does our life show that we're a but? 
We were this, but now we're this. Does it show? And because of that transforming power in Jesus Christ, do we love one another? Sacrificially love one another? Isn't it amazing? I'm sorry, I it amazes me that me just even in myself, my fleshly self, and all the things that I have done in my life. That Christ died for me. But not only for me who spat in his face. But for everybody here. And everybody out there. I can't fathom that. But I've experienced it. And I can promise you because of the blood of Jesus Christ I've never been the same. And I pray that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ that you do. Listen to me. Again, life treats every one of us differently. But one day, death's going to treat us all the same. You see, every one of us have been born with a God-sized hole that only He can fill. You see, here's the thing. That fleshly self that we live in, we naturally rebel from God. We're born into it. Because we think that our way, whether past, present, or future, is better than God's. And we have blasphemed His name. And yet God cannot reserve, I mean, God reserve wrath for us because why? We have blasphemed his holy name. But yet in his great mercy, sent his son Jesus Christ to the cross and crushed him for us. Jesus Christ was buried and in three days he rose again. And the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is available to all those who believe. We do not possess the power to resurrect the thing Christ does. And I can promise you today, I don't care where you've been or where you think you may go in, Christ is still able to save. And you say, Chad, I know Jesus. The most important question is, does Jesus know you? I can promise everything that we try to fill our lives with that will bring happiness and comfort, we'll try again. I often use the example of watching children at Christmas. You'll buy them this expensive toy and they'll play with a box. But we do the same thing as adults. For that new car smell, run out and you'll want to have another one. There's nothing that you can purchase, nothing that you can do that will give you satisfaction. Because even Solomon says in the book of Ecclesiastes, for the eyes never satisfied with seeing, nor the ear satisfied with hearing. The only satisfaction that can be found is the saving power of Jesus Christ. And he said he would never leave us or forsake us. Trust in him. Cry out for mercy. He will give it. And I promise you that the Bible says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you are saved, he will transform you and change you. His Holy Spirit will dwell in you. And I can tell you this. 
You may never have a lot of money or a lot of things. You may not even have a lot of friends. God never promised that. But what you will have is greater than any gift that you could ever have. And that is the person of Christ living in you. And he said he'd never leave you or forsake you. And I promise you that he who saved you will sustain you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. God, I pray today that, Lord, you would just use us, convict our hearts. Lord, open us up, Lord, that we would be demonstrators of the fruits of the Spirit. Then, Lord, that our attitudes and our actions go together. That, Lord, if we're yours, we'll live as though we're yours. Lord, I often say there's two reasons why people don't become Christians. Number one, they say they had not never seen one, or number two, they say they have. And God, I pray today that, Lord, if we are what we say we are, then we'll live like we say we are. But, Lord, if there's one here today that does not have a relationship with you, I pray you convict their heart before it's eternally too late. And, God, as we sing, as we close today, let us thank you so much for the unconditional love that you bestowed upon us. Because, God, we can say we cannot love, but yet you loved us while we were yet sinners. We don't deserve it, and we've done nothing to earn it. But by your grace, you have given it. And, God, let us rejoice. Let us pray. Let us sing. And let us thank you for all that you've done. And we'll give you the praise and glory. Amen.